It was just the other day. Got caught up in a trance. When the train called and colors peeked out of the hazy gray. Now I pace to the sound of its memory. It's as great a reminder of the present as any. It's a pity it's so easy to forget. And yet, too present to remember. I leave it, masked, elusive, done with the grasping at threads, with questions more like demands, like asking for light at the end of dead roads. Roads I dug and built myself, and paths I've paced inside my head. The moment needs be met without the proclamations, without the monologue and ongoing descriptions, and nothing needs be certain. With this breath in, I am the trees, the hazy dream, the sky between, this ground and space, and though that old story now disintegrates, I am thankful to be riding again. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Actual Eye Podcast. I'm Chris, and today I am without co-host DJ. It's uh, been a few episodes since I've done a solo run here, but I'm happy to be back with you all. Happy to be back and sharing poetry with all of you. Hopefully it serves in your own impulse, inspiration for meditation. Hopefully it serves for your own contemplation. Many of these are prayers. Some of them are meditations. Often both. That poem was from October 3rd, 2020. We are deep into the coronavirus epidemic at this point. And I took a couple short videos and a picture with that one that I shared on my Instagram. And that's where you can find all of these poems posted with their relative, relating pictures associated images and videos. So feel free to check those out. Really, most of my poetry is ending up on my personal page, but you guys are free to follow there. That's Instagram.com forward slash Christopher dot Kinley. Just go into search in Instagram and type in C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R dot K-I-N-L-E-Y. You can find all poems and accompanying pictures there. If you guys aren't already following on actualeye.podcast on Instagram, I welcome you to join us. On old Instagram, uh, you can probably find me on Twitter and Podcast there as well. And of course, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. We're also live streaming on Twitch, so YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. We're doing uh, weekly live streams, 
every Wednesday at 8 p.m. EST. I would be joined today, actually, in fact, uh, by my great friend and brother in musical and artistic arms, DJ, from our band American Dharma, among many other musical projects that he's involved in, including Infusion, Imaginary Man, and Greater Than One. So yeah, check those out as well. And look forward to American Dharma next show at Zen West in Baltimore, Maryland on December 16th. That is going to be a Friday. We're going to be joined by Benny O.K., The Original Heads, and Rise 8. And Zen West is an awesome venue. You guys should most definitely come check it out if you have not yet. They have like the best chicken wings I've ever had in my life. They've got these Zen West original grilled chicken wings. And that name and that flavor is stuck in my head. And I'm salivating as I speak. Because I could tear up some of those wings right now, this very moment. So um, I think I'll title this episode, The Only Ever Known, Meditations in Poetics. Something like that. I was going to go with poetry reading or chill mode ASMR poetry reading for relaxation and peace, something like that. But I've already done similar names and I'm not trying to be like too clickbaity with the titles, but I do want them to be intriguing and attractive so that you guys click and get to hear. And I encourage you to get into any kind of artistic endeavor, learn to play the piano, learn to paint, start taking pictures, sharing them, find your your local art scene and get together with people and find some places online where you can share and post. Why not? We are, it's like we're only half ourselves without our creative side. So that was October 3rd, 2020. Now we're at October 7th, 2020. Bright, moonlit sky. I see the sun in your face, the mirror of your eye, sneaking glimpses between the clouds. I imagine if you had a mind, you would be awaiting our curious return. I know I am. Anything to cast the world in wonder again. We've grown numb to our miraculous nature and make assumptions and enemies of people we don't even know. If you do have a mind and a heart, dear solar neighbor, may you glow your sweetest through this dark night of soul. Feeling for humanity. The... Uh, ever-growing division, social stratification, really social breakdown that has been occurring for the last several years now. It's certainly starting, starting to really heat up during and in the months after the coronavirus epidemic at a, a more accelerated rate, it seems, than it had previously. Perhaps an ever-accelerating rate goes the process of dissolution unto recorporation as we break down and build up new ways and survive those old that are tried and true. Let's see what we can do. 
I do have hope, so far as I believe that hope is an action. Hope is something that we can do. It's something we enact. I believe. On to October 11th, 2020. This path. I didn't expect the surprises along the way. It begins all hopeful, lit just so for our eyes. It's not so hard to delineate between, though it's all too daunting to ignore. Sometimes I'd rather be less perceptive, less affected, offended, dejected over these human failings. We ride on regret in these moments. Disappointment heavy in the pit of the stomach, searching for relief in the old habit of shelling over and turning in. You know the feeling. I could just as well disintegrate, meld back in with everything. Forget how many days it will take to burn away this loathsome state. Take it all until nothing remains but the light of this soul, glowing all the brighter, anything that makes this sorrow worthwhile. We can go on habitualized to searching outside for what can only be found within, but who am I to be recommending as I light up a cigarette? Our lonely minds, driven so easily out of accord with our commitments, out of harmony with that unknowable, most intrinsic, that surfaces as whatever is existence into all its staggering beauty. Cast your myriad confusions. Here lies the suffering illusion of our separateness. Yeah, well, that's poetry too. So this is October 12th, 2020. Raindrops on red grass, the mist in the air, and its soft drooling of beads on leaves and arching stems, reminding of the brightness that stirs this world to life. By this moment, notice the movements between gray and sunny days, the timeless current that sustains through winter, autumn, summer, and spring. From the falling of old to the budding of new leaves. From the silence of cold air to the vibrant buzzing of spring mornings. Appearing always here. The untouchable stillness. The endlessness that fills itself with space and sound. Sky and ground. Root and cloud. Is it only our habit to shroud it? Who gave the mind such permission to make blind the expression of life? What mind longs to mask its vision, hide away from forgiveness, acceptance, and lives in condemnation? Notice even the glow of awareness alights the mind and remains for all its monologues and questions, ever patient, purely reflective,
forgiving all eternity and loving every minute. October 29, 2020. In changing seasons, in times of transition, subtle proofs remain of the unmoving background that unfolds back into itself that flows in placeless place, glimmers in the current, inviting our discernment, bloom backwards to fall, and unfurl again from seed to dry leaf, from the last deep blue to today's gray, until the clouds of before turn to snow, until the budding spring returns we dream and wake and dream, reaching all the while for comfort or peace. And here, all the while, the stillness of being that holds everything forever and evermore. November 18th, 2020. But there is always hope, here as it's always been, in our capacity for creation, in the source of inspiration. We are the immeasurable. Is there any question? Why not experience it a while beyond eyes intellectualization? The space and stars implore us to see all that is before us and all the tracks to now and aft the one verse that runs through everything. We aspects of this unknown and limitless that comes into awareness. We created the letters and words and turned to D the depths of experience. Only in our imaginings could we ever be limited. Release the grasp, hold all this vastness at once. There is always hope. Here it's always been. The only duty for us is to love, is to live, to share, and create it. November 28th. 2020. Take a second, just a glance. Everything is gold. Everything is grand. Before we describe it, to contain and confine it, its beauty is here and limitless. Our words mere shadows cast into the world, silhouettes of ourselves projected onto the ground by the glow of the immeasurable. We reach for what is already in our hands. It describes itself a thousand ways. Each second portrays a mirror to the infinite. We grasp for a hold. We stumble and toil until we find and surrender the wonder 
of our paradoxical nature. Release your grasp, says the wind through the branches. You are too vast to ever be limited. February 3rd, 2021. Slow movements emphasized in between hurried rushes of wind. The subtle rises in relevance to greet soft eyes with visions of all those considerations hidden behind. For all the masks we wear and questions we hold back, is there a way to rise from the ashes of our times? I pray to see us find it. Disunited as we have been, while we have this window of perception let us celebrate the beauty of each other's inner sight in communion and realization of the sacred in all life. Upon finding, may we lift ourselves and soar with wings unperturbed by the fear of flying through the storm. Upon remembering what we truly are, star stuff gathered here together, with whole universes of potential, may we awaken into a more hopeful world. February 10th, 2021. Spring rises and retreats. Birdsong plays between the snows. Water below in creeks and rivers, flows and settles in ponds and puddles sinks into the soil and waits to be drank or misted away next summer. Water above, suspended and spread across the sky, reflecting light as it goes, flows and collects, all changing and waiting while we busy ourselves before the cold sets back in. On trails beside, People walking by are sure to give a wide berth to the sunny-faced and maskless. The awe-cleansing rays around us make all the difference, though the differences between us are portrayed as tragic. Our smiles are loving anyway. February 11th, 2021. While our roots are coiled, have you seen how every tree expresses without speaking the way all facets of existence stem from one and the same? Each stands independently, yet exists as no less separate than you or I from this moment. And in training our eyes to see as our minds, it's no wonder we make misimpressions. The call of presence that dispels our misconceptions seems to call up something sacred and forgotten. Ego resists this dissolution, of course, so we fumble back and forth, though each of us, like faces of the same crystal shining out in our light, each in our own ways, may yet be reborn and come to treat each moment as home until tomorrow becomes our sacred place. February 15th, 2021. 
Old mountains glow with new snows, melting slow and heralding new life with each freezing thaw. We roll over foothills by gullies and into the spring rivers that made them. What life that remains of lightning bugs, whippoorwills, and croakers reminds of something forgotten. We grow into summer. The sparks of fireflies are falling away like green embers on the wind alighting anew in patterns together, and were rooted in deep to watch them. The talk of nightlife and the great insect orchestras singing soft behind are alive with the skitters of small ones as silent watching owl eyes around and the night brightens to our involvement. Soon enough, upon the wind grows that familiar chill that calls the leaves to fall, Life to burrow, plant and animal alike, to ready, then slow, and rest, and wait. New frosts and icy mornings, bright with blooming crystals, catch and refract the sunlight, reminding of the spring that will return. We lift ourselves as mists evaporate and leave stem in the morning sun. The grass and moss lift back beneath us, Roots coiled with mycelium awaken as forests stretch and yawn out from their slumber. The world stirs its trillions of great and tiny cells, all uncounted miracles, aglow in the infinite of space. How we could ever forget, how it could ever seem mundane, must be a miracle all its own. And so uh, this point of the story, we get to March 3rd. I had a hospital visit and uh, ended up in the hospital for a couple days, diagnosed with optical neuritis without a cause. So to this day, I'm continuing to see my neurologist, my ophthalmologist, and, you know, we're following up. No cause as of yet, but you know, this is life. I'm only telling you this because at this point I experienced something of a shift in my life. So we can take these opportunities as these moments as opportunities. Yeah, these, these crazy experiences, um, life circumstances can help shift us and we can begin to reorient ourselves and so the sense of urgency man that definitely uh kicked in and kicked in hard for a minute and then once again it dissipated there is still a sense of urgency but there's also the very much normal human proclivity for avoidance and hiding and distraction to try and fill that void in the heart for something that's missing that we never really want to look at deeply but it's always there on the edges nagging so we find all kinds of ways to entertain ourselves or comfort and satiate ourselves and we use junk food and you know watching too much television and distracting ourselves habitually in ways that we know ultimately are, aren't good for us, especially if there's 
other things that we have to do that we would like to do, that we would feel good about ourselves if we did. And we wish to be more connected with those around us again. And that longing is real, but it's hard for us all. We're all so awkward. I'm speaking of humanity, and I'm just really, I can only come from my own personal experience, but it's been real. It's certainly been real. Yeah, I mean, I still don't know what's wrong with my immune system. I'm basically, all I know is that I am immunocompromised, and uh, I really feel for people that are suffering much more than I am. I'm able to somewhat manage it through diet. I'm on the WALS protocol, which is like a modified paleo diet, and that helps keep inflammation at bay. Most of the food that I eat is anti-inflammatory as much as possible. And when I break away from that and I cheat, I feel it. Uh, I start to get the headaches. They become more in the forefront of my awareness, slightly more painful. And, the, and it's always in the same place right above the right eye there with the optical nerve that is inflamed, keeping it from becoming re-inflamed uh, through diet. And this is functional medicine. It's, uh, it was invented by a neurologist who came down with MS herself and got herself out of a wheelchair, back to the running and hiking and biking that she used to do. Um, but this woman is, uh, is amazing. She's, you know, something of a hero in the community, and it's good to see doctors really finally looking at diet and lifestyle, first and foremost, looking for the roots of the problems rather than just trying to treat symptoms with overpriced drugs, because she was on you know, $10,000 medications, and uh, she had gone through chemotherapy and everything. And her MS just continued to progress so much that she became desperate, and then she began to do a massive amount of research. And being a research scientist and a practitioner, and somebody with MS, she was able to experiment on herself by changing what she ate. And so, yeah, she came up with like a modified paleo diet. I eat lots of blueberries. I love it. They're always my favorite, so that's cool. But yeah, blueberries and walnuts in the morning. Uh, I fast most of the day. And then I have uh, a good dinner. And I was snacking in between a lot, but I noticed that that's just making me feel more lethargic, and I was doing it too much. And I so I'm, now I'm just limiting myself to two times a day, and I eat normally around um, 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And... You know, but I'm I'm not waking up at like six in the morning regularly. It's more like eight or nine on a good day for me, because I stay up late a lot doing these podcasts and other creative endeavors. Uh, there's never enough time in the day to do everything, but I do find that I can carve more and more time out if I start to relinquish for myself some of those um, all too understandable distractions that we like to take part in. Um, these things should be like treats in moderation, really on some level that is healthy for us psychologically and physiologically. But we can do things that make us feel amazing, exercise more, meditate, practice breathing, and practice art, and loving one another, being with family and friends, and letting go, and evermore realizing one's whole true self realizing how interconnected we truly are with everything and everyone around us. That's a beautiful thing to cultivate that 
sense of presence, that mysterious sense of awareness that we all share before our thought patterns, personalities are placed before and filtered through by our perception, by our awareness, which becomes our perception. I don't know. I don't know how that works exactly, but I'm trying to learn. And that's why I have been going on this uh, extensive learning journey through John Verbeke's Awakening from the Meaning Crisis lecture series on the podcast with my great friend and fellow and brother in musical and artistic arms, DJ, from our band American Dharma. And he's also rocking out with another band called Invisible Man, which is really cool. They have a great sound. And uh, he also uh, previously did a project called Greater Than One, which was very groovy. And then uh, he also, every once in a while, if you're lucky, you will hear about this band Infusion is playing a show. And if you can find them and you catch that show, it's going to be one of those lifetime uh, memories because they really are always doing something very special. And they're, they're a giant funk band, and it's, uh, it's an amazing experience to behold. So yeah, check out all of these musical projects, and, and this is also to encourage all of you guys. You know, it's like we're only half a human without our creative expression, and there's something out there for all of us. You know, it's, it might be something that you like to collect, something that you like to carve, something that you like to paint, or something new that you want to learn. You know, play the guitar, learn a new language, uh, learn to code, whatever it may be. We gotta push ourselves. And then when you find that you're doing these things for yourself, it's like self-caring in a way that is making you better for other people and feel more comfortable and happy and secure and confident and all of the things that we wish for in the world. This is obvious, obvious stuff, but we're so distracted nowadays. And I hope to leave something behind for peers and fellows that come after us as we engage in this ongoing human conversation about how we're going to run the world now that we are all the adults. And God, what a world <laughs> that we've been cast into. It's beautiful and it is frustrating and <laughs> difficult and it is painful and it is blissful. It is joyous. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. It's moving. It's meaningful. And there's this great sense of belonging that we get to share. There's this thing called love that we get to feel. There's inspiration, there's goosebumps, there's great acts of courage and great acts of virtuosity in sportsmanship and musicianship and all other schools and arts. And there's just cool people and fun people and sweet people, kind people, honorable people, and everybody plays a role. And we all get to specialize in that role that is one's dharma, one's way, and that is also the way of the universe and how it is the interrelation of all things, the interrelation of the opposites, up, down, all directions, happy, sad, light, dark, cold, warm, all temperatures, all states, all ways of being are all encompassed and shared, and they all remark and speak back and inform and help legitimate and create one another. The universe could not exist without this interplay of opposites. What a wonder, what an awe, awesome uh, 
thing to behold, to be a part of this. It's a gift. And that question remains for us. Who is the actual I behind your thoughts and ideas and impressions, your idea of yourself, the personage that you put forth? And what's it like when you're just like being natural? You know, those moments, they can be very rare sometimes. And that's something that I hope we can bring back, having these kinds of conversations, wondering, just wondering together again about the world and then working together and are wondering about how we can solve the greatest problems and challenges that we face as a species today. Because the myriad existential crises facing our species, the many potential <laughs> civilization-destroying or uh, even planet-destroying, eradicating of at least most life potentials, uh, they're all at play now. The technological advancement is bringing us to the point that some scary things are going to be very possible soon with bioweapons. There's already things that people can do with AI that are frightening. If we ourselves don't instill a higher moral virtue in and among ourselves, then we are lost, and I don't think we're going to see the world that we want to hand down. But this is the highest calling. It's also the most beautiful, exciting thing that humans alive today can be a part of, and humans, perhaps, in all of history. This is a, one of those culmination points, so it's a very exciting and critical point in history, in the history of life on Earth. We are a really strange creature that has grown out of a living planet, something that is so, so super rare, we don't even know if it exists anywhere else in the universe as of yet. That's how new we are to this. We're still so new to this. We're so technologically advanced, yet we are nothing compared to space. We got nothing on it. We can barely make it to our moon and back. It's dangerous for us. It's harsh and hard on us. And you know, it's it's crazy that we're even able to pull it off. But it's like we're fleas jumping off of an animal's back or something. I don't want to call Earth an animal. <laughs> Earth makes animals and plants. And this multitudinous expression of life is so profoundly, inexpressibly beautiful and weird and funky and unique and unimaginable until you've seen it. That's so cool how the universe works that way and, and the, just the variation of life on this planet alone is unbelievable. It's hard to fathom how many stars there are. Even in one galaxy, it's hard to fathom. And then that there's more galaxies than there are stars in any one galaxy. And there's hundreds of billions of stars in most galaxies. That's insane. Like, what do you do with that? Well, you, you be in wonder of it all. And you inquire directly into the sense of experience itself, because it is right here. You're in it. We are it. We are existing. And so we look into that sense of existence. We turn our attention in on itself, the sense of beingness that we all are constantly and always 
living through, being as, the sense of beingness that is here that our thoughts and ideas appear in. What a cool thing just for that alone, when we begin to meditate, that we notice how easy it is to, just to watch thoughts come and go without needing to follow them or be emotionally swayed or pulled by them. You can just notice them with kind of a loving awareness that's detached from any attachment to what they seem to pronounce. Just to see them with a lovingness and an understanding openness. To let them be just as they are and just let them come and go. And then you realize, wait, I'm the watcher. I'm this awareness, <laughs> you know, this witness of all that is dancing in my experience of life. So all of the sounds that are coming in, in this moment, it's all appearing in awareness. And this is, you know, this is self-inquiry in, in a nutshell. And there's many names for, for meditation and how to do it. Um, there's basically just different techniques that allow us to point at the this seemingly mundane nature of the present moment and then it encourages us to go into it and you can always tell a teaching is true if it's doing that if that's what a teacher is telling you and they're not just giving you a bunch of mumbo jumbo that sounds pretty but they're actually encouraging you to go within over and over and over again you can tell they're like they keep getting back to it because they notice you're not doing it or going far enough or doing it enough so that you can cultivate the sense of presence and learn to carry it through life. It's a really, uh, I've used the word beautiful so many times, you run out of words. It's a very freeing, often sometimes serene, at once mundane and utterly beautiful beyond. Because it, it, It's like a celebration. Oh my God, this is an ongoing miracle. I don't know how to explain it. It's beyond all conception. It is ineffable. And that is a very, it's a very humbling and it's, it's a very encouraging thing. There's something about that that instills such soulness within us. And it's, well, it's really just because we're free of all the ideas and the expectations and the weights, the emotional weights that we throw on ourselves, the ways that we try to make sense of everything, we are really good at emotionally talking shit to ourselves and over-interpreting things. We're not seeing them from a space of wideness that the breadth of consideration of unconditionality allows us to possess, you know, it's, it's like, because that lovingness, that kind of, that level of lovingness, that unconditionality is is more an orientation that we can take than it is really anything else. It's not an emotion. Love contains all emotions. We have many descriptions of love. We have communal love. We have friend love. We have uh, sensual love. And then we have this highest love. And that is spoken of in all the great world religions, as uh, we spoke of in the last episode, actually when we were covering our uh, reflections on the first 10 episodes of John Verveke's Awakening series. Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. I, but I so encourage you guys to check that series out. It's, it's highly worthwhile. 
um, I do wish everyone possible to be able to see it because I think that it is, he's very much, how do, how do I describe this in a way that's actually going to make it intriguing for you all? It's like a guy has gone through all of every dungeon in a Zelda game immaculately. He's figured everything out. He's solved so many puzzles. He's worked with pros that have played the game for years to do it the best way. And he's also pushed at the edges of what's possible in the game. And so he's standing on the, on the sh shoulders of giants that he has reverently studied very deeply. Uh, the, the wise ones of our pasts from Socrates to Plato to Aristotle to Buddha to Jesus and so many others, as well as many contemporaries of his and many other uh, existentialists, philosophers, psychologists, neuroscientists, so on and so forth from throughout history up to this point to explain what exactly is consciousness and what is this meaning crisis that humanity is now in and how may we awaken from it. I think he's really hitting the nail on the head with this series at coming to how we may address the root of this challenge that humanity now faces because we are in something that can be termed a phase shift where we either clam up and we allow the social stratification to increase and con continue as it is or we start to apply our innate wisdom that comes from our capacity for lovingness to guide us in formulating the best way that we can together by orienting ourselves in a sense psychologically side by side with one another when we're talking through a problem or even a disagreeable circumstance or subject that we need to figure out even even if we're on opposing sides of how we may solve it we got to take on this orientation of rather than opposing one another in a debate that we are seeking to engage in something that john verbeke terms dialogos which is a conversation in which we allow uh, the higher wisdom, uh, sense-making capacity, collective sense-making capacity that human humanity also has uh, access to, to take over <laughs> the uh, dialogue, basically. It's, it's that we're figuring it out together. And Dialogus in and of itself is quite magical. And what a beautiful thing to see resurface that we've forgotten about that was something that used to be practiced uh, a little bit more regularly, at least amongst the philosophers and the wise ones uh, thousands of years past. But we are beginning to have to realize that we must engage on this level together again because the challenges that we're facing are not unlike that of the Bronze Age collapse, which was massive, far worse and wide-ranging than Rome. It was basically all over the world, civilizations everywhere, uh, crashed and were forgotten from history, mostly. We have some remnants left. But we know it's all gone before. And major disruptive events can set off uh, chain reactions. That this is a direction that we don't want to go, to put it simply. Various challenges um, to the species and to the planet that are out there. So this this is going much further than any debate over global warming. I'm talking about the different kinds of weapons that humanity can create now that we weren't able to create in the past become increasingly available. So we have to not just learn how to mitigate against the dangers of these things technologically and through our governmental 
uh, infrastructure and and systems, but we have to figure out how to change ourselves from within. We have to be the change we wish to see. It's that old adage, this this idea that really that line, you must be the change you wish to see in the world, has always rang true and continues to over and over and over again. And I, uh, it's so hard to live up to what one knows one is truly capable of. It's so easy to be down on oneself and then just kind of like wallow in the muck. But we don't have to do that either. We can, we can do something. We can at least inch forward at first until we get our legs back underneath us and then we can start standing together again and we can start lifting each other up more and being together more in any way that we can to help steady one another and help fill each other with the courage and the love that we're gonna need to change this world from the inside out. And we're gonna have to do it fast because we don't got time to keep you know, trying to hack at limbs as we've been doing, you know, where you try and change rules and government and this and that. But I mean, this is going all the way to the heart of every single one of us. And not everyone's gonna wanna engage on this level at first, but now we all have a chance to help make this a part of our culture. And so I hope we do through the art that we create and the orientation that we take to life and those around us, uh, the intentionality through which we live and what we share with the world in every moment. I pray that we are able to do so more, ever more gracefully and eloquently, ably, capably. <laughs> it's probably a better word than ably. I need a sip of water, guys. So yeah, I'm blabbing on here. This has turned into a genuine podcast. I was just going to read a few poems. I actually had like, I don't know, 15 or 20 of them lined up here. Well, yeah, so there was a little bit of a shift in life. And it was important to have that kind of push because we all really are going to die. We're all dying, so to speak, and we're just trying to slow that process. And why not just rejoice and honor this moment, honor our temple, the body that we've been given, and start taking better care of ourselves and one another. Because it's, uh, it's like Tupac said, it's time to change the way we eat, change the way we live, and change the way we treat each other. The old way is working. It's on us to do what we got to do to survive. So yeah, March 3rd, 2021, I had the hospital visit. Allow these kinds of events to be positively life-altering. As I started to lose sight in my right eye, I started to gain a greater vision for how I may be of service to this world. And if I can just turn up the art a little bit more, then I might brighten this world just, just enough, along with others doing so as well, to inspire others to do so as well. And we ripple out and we do shift things for the better. We're not trying to go for perfect, but we can do better. And this is regardless of one's political affiliation. We gotta start seeing each other as one, as we truly are, and not so separate. We do have these individualized senses of perception, which is incredible, but we're also all made of one another. From our language to the way we speak, our habituation, our styles of, of speech and manner, 
are all acquired through one another. I mean, language goes so deep, that's a big one. But there's many other psychotechnologies, a term that we learned from John Verbeke, that humans utilize as well. And it's, it's a trip. That it is a trip. Anyways, I'm going to start getting off track again. Let's jump back into some more poetry here and finish up this episode so I can get to sleep. And uh, I hope you guys are taking advantage of these podcasts to fill that time when you are alone or you're just trying to get off to sleep and it's nice to hear something in the background or you're looking for relaxation, inspiration for actually getting down to some hardcore meditation. Meditation doesn't have to be hardcore, it's just life. It's just being present, paying attention to life and attending to life responsibly because we are able to respond. We have the capacity. When we're not, we feel like shit about ourselves, but we don't have to overburden ourselves either. We just feel ourselves grow to match and trust the flow and love, just love God, love this world, love this mystery beyond any religious interpretation. You know, I, when I speak of God, I don't have any one religion's idea of it, but I have flavors from different ones that I've found to be beautiful. Yeah, I think God is too great to ever be uh, boiled down to one culture's way of looking at him or her or all of it, the Alpha Omega that it is, the source and creation of feminine and masculinity and the spectrum of beautiful humanity that we all get to help encourage, inform, and inspire to be our whole true authentic selves and not get so attached to our identities, but act through these beautiful personages that we get to create that are malleable, that we can change, but are also natural when we let go and we let the natural culmination of how we have grown out from this planet just become what it is most effortlessly inclined to be. It's, it's an interesting thing when that happens, but people, God, they're amazing because most people seem to do it so naturally and they're not enlightened <laughs> at all. <laughs> some of them have some level of self-realization, some attunement to the present moment that is informing and enwisening and encouraging and I'm using that word a lot tonight too. That's a good one though. Instilling courage. But these are good things to help put on the world in ways that people can be receptive to. I'm still learning how to do that too. I don't even know how many of you guys, there's a number of you. It's, that's encouraging too, because I'm just another person here trying to figure it out. But I'm glad that you're here with me and that we're growing together and that we're learning to cultivate that inner stillness, that sense of presence, and that capacity for flow with one another. Because we all have it within us. And that is so cool. I, I like that feature. That's an especially fun part of this game, that we get to flow. So yeah, here we go. Let's get back into the flow. It's March 5th, 2021. Call it from the reservoir. That space of all your life that lives before and after, that looms expansive through to the other side, that holds our breath, yet has no heft to it, 
that makes room for depth and weight, and a place for light to create, and dance and sound itself in waves, unabated and always. You are the spark of creation. Come and bless this creation, this amalgamation of everything that came before. Open that door inside your own and get to know the universe inside. Get to know the universes inside. Get to know the you, the you, the you. It's time. Yeah, that one, it kind of reads better than some parts of it seem to read better than they can be spoken, but that's one of my favorites. I don't know where that came from. Call it from the reservoir. Oh, I know where that came from, of course. That's why I have a note here to talk about what happened on March 3rd. I think I just kind of graced over the hospital visit and the whole optical neuritis, inflammation of the optical nerve experience and uh, what that may mean, it might mean MS or some other autoimmune condition of some sort, but I am handling it with diet, and it's been a gift. It's been a gift of an experience. And so that was, that was the insight, like, I've gone through heavy experiences before, as we all have, and sometimes you have, you have a, this moment where you just, like, call something out from deep inside that you didn't even know was there. It's like this capacity that helped you solve this really immense problem that you were facing that felt so great and overwhelming that you didn't know if you were going to get through it. It felt like you were facing utter failure no matter what you did. And then somehow you figured out a way. This is like a capacity that we have. And this poem is calling to that. Call it from the reservoir, that space of all your life that lives before and after, that looms expansive through to the other side. I'm speaking of this impossible reality that we are all, you know, here taking part in, living and living as. And uh, what the hell is that? That holds our breath, yet has no heft to it. This that holds the air, the space, that makes room for depth and weight and a place for light to create and dance and sound itself in waves. It's like space is so perfectly empty that it has room for every potentiality. Isn't that a trip? It's so perfectly empty it has room for every potentiality. It allows everything to spring forth, whole universes of potential unabated and always, never ending, always ongoing, never begin, never end, unabated and always. You are the spark of creation. Come and bless this creation, this amalgamation of everything that came before, because that is what this moment is. The amalgamation of everything that came before. Everything has built up to this moment. This is the collection of everything. The, the uh, yeah, I'm not finding good metaphors off the top right now. Let's get on to the last stanza here. Open that door inside your own mind 
and get to know the universe inside. Get to know the universe is inside. Get to know the you, the you, the you. It's time. What is the truth of you? Inquire into that, not to find out anything, but out of the natural curiosity that we had when we were children when we were studying leaves uh, or uh, ants or a piece of fruit or the sand and the beach and the sky. And when we still wondered at things, with that, we, that kind of openness, open curiosity, that interest. Because this isn't a grasping, it isn't a holding, it isn't a doing, it's an undoing. And when you undo, you're just kind of naturally open and available. So you're, you get this sense of curiosity. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, curiosity isn't something you do, it's like something you possess or are possessed by almost. Like, what is that? Well, it's a natural comfort that comes through a level of acceptance that is attainable through the cultivation of our sense of presence, and that's why we practice meditation. And if we are praying deeply to God, that is why we sense into His presence with awe and wonder and reverence and love and gratitude, and we are thankful and we pray for things that are, aren't selfish. You know, we're, we're praying for the world and we're praying for healing and we're praying for how to be better and for help on being better. And, you know, it can be very personal. And that's, that's really cool. I think that both sides of these styles of tuning in to the ultimate nature of reality are, are useful and if practiced in tandem, like together, there's a looking in, you practice that, and then there's a, a sense of worshipful reverence and a sense of interaction with the outer. We can develop potentially the highest attuned state that humans are capable of. This is what Buddha was trying to teach us about and what Jesus was trying to teach us about and so many others throughout history. But, you know, among the brightest of them, didn't they always speak of love? And they were capable of the highest levels of sacrifice and suffering and love. And they were the most courageous and challenging and daunting and revolutionary for their times, oftentimes. But they were also the they're the most memorable and they have impacted all of us. And now it's time for that innate capacity that all humans possess to blossom. It's time for, <laughs> it's time. That's the last line of the poem. I'm not gonna keep on. March 7th, 2021. Oh yeah, hold on. I gotta get back to the uh, Instagram here because we got music, not music, we got sound effects to go with some of these. And this one, I do recall, has 
water. Sit beside the water and let it talk a while and carry these thoughts away. That's it. That's that one. Short one. So, you know, two days out of the hospital, I wrote, call it from the reservoir, that space of all your life, to instill courage. And uh, that was the spirit of that poem. And then March 7th is just a very short thing. Sit beside the water, let it talk a while, and carry these thoughts away. And that's a, you know, that's a different tone. But it's also, in that poem, I'm speaking to being present with sadness and grieving um, for the eyesight that might not return. And then also to not let those concerns like tone and change my life. And just as something to mention, when you figure out something, you're like, okay, well, that's, that's useful. Poems can be that for us. So that's why I share these. Because I'm trying to bring back poetry, of course. Like, who wouldn't? <laughs> it's the most random thing. Um, it's not random, but it's like, it's a very unpopular thing. But why? I guess I could say is why would one want or think bringing back poetry would be helpful, but I, I believe it would be because we all think in language at this point in history, it's part of our human psychology at this point and our sociology, how we actually act in groups. And we used to embrace it a lot differently. And everybody used to memorize poems. This is how we entertained ourselves for centuries. People memorized things through poems before we learned to write, because they were easy to mem easier to memorize. And it's also like the process of writing them is distilling something down to its most essential, fundamental, necessary concepts to say something that, that is as true as possible. And so it can be serviceable, it can be helpful. And so we would share poems, you know, around the dinner table, around the fire, in the evenings. In the mornings, we would sing a lot too, a lot more together than we now do. But you still see parts of that culture alive in many places, but it's, uh, it's ancient to us. And what a weird world it has become. Like everything is so fast and supercharged and turbo speed now, it's hard to keep track of all the art that's coming out. And you also always have to post it up on social media now for it even to be relevant because everyone's now looking through screens to access most of life. And we're all inside our houses all the time, much more than we used to be. Of course, as you get older, that becomes part of it, of life, that, you know, you have a home that you take care of and you live with your family and you guys go and do what you got to do, but people were still a lot more engaged in their communities in the past, and our communities weren't so massed together that they became too unsustainable. 
but we spread and spread fast and then we concentrated into certain areas such as cities and metropolitan areas and you start squeezing too many people together then you have more than just traffic problems you have increased disease increased crime and you have to come up with increasingly sophisticated systems to address all of these problems and since cities have always been what have ex been the really the foundation the pillars of uh, civilization itself when cities start to fail you can see that civilization could start to fail as well thankfully we've begun networking ourselves but there are still strong power centers uh, in finance uh, that have corrupted every level of most governments all governments around the planet and even to speak of this like you know it's just a hard reality that we have to face, but everyone knows it. I don't think it matters what side of the political aisle you're on. If you just marginally pay attention to politics, you know that money corrupts politics at a very high degree. And it, you know, the more you look, the more you find out, oh my God, how completely power and money rule everything. And how easy it is to buy off and install favorable people into the places you need them to be able to further enrich oneself and even change laws that are meant for systems of self-governance to work together optimally uh, to ruin them and to encourage increased corruption and greed and cheating um, the system. And we're doing that now because we've lost our moral uh, guidestones and we have no moral guidestones that we agree on anymore. And so we've been trying to resurface ancient ones and re-understand them. We've been studying Eastern mysticism here in the West. All of this is covered in John Verveke's Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. This is why I encourage you guys so much, because we are at a point in history where I'm not trying to be alarmist. I'm literally just pointing out what is happening, uh, that we're in a very dangerous place, and this is not a world that we want to hand down to the children coming after us, the people coming after us, and for those alive today. We need to put our differences aside and get our acts together and start working side by side on how we can actually find the conciliation we need for the many problems we face. And if we're not going to be able to do it without a sense of self-respect and mutual respect for one another, that's not going to come without a deep sense of reverence and wonder for life itself and love for life itself and the understanding that everybody has a piece of that great divine spark, that great mystery that we all are here in living through together, it lives through all of us. It is a miracle. We cannot explain it. I don't care if you're religious. I don't care if you're not spiritual. I don't care if you think you're an atheist. Um, that's a level of certainty that it, it's not even, you know, recommended by serious uh, science. Science is a constant disproven of its own hypotheses, trying to get at what is actual and real and tr as true, as close as we can get to it. And so we're constantly trying to prove ourselves wrong in that process. So unless you're oriented that way, um, then you might be part of the problem. And I've been part of the problem, you know, throughout my life. So it's not like pointing my finger and wagging so much as like, hey, you know, this is an ongoing process of awakening that we all must go through together. And it's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be difficult. 
and it's going to be challenging to ourselves. But also through the process of meditation, we become less attached to these ideas of ourselves we hold in our head. So we become less easily offended by other people's opinion, opinions and ideas. Of course, people matter to us, but their disparaging comments we can recognize come from places of uh, either envy or, you know, whatever, envy, jealousy, uh, anxiety, you know, low self-esteem habituation because they think that's what makes them look cool because that's what their peers are doing or that's the world they grew up around or that's what they're getting from television or whatever and all this sounds like lame probably kind of but this is what happens when you you, you know you get one of those wake-up calls from life that's like hey you're not going to last forever and right now you're experiencing something that's for sure so what are you going to do with it and i feel like earth is asking that question to itself right now, what am I going to do with this? Because she's asking through us, through our voices, through our brains and bodies. She is us. She has developed us and created us. We are outgrowths, extensions of Earth. And we are the part of Earth, parts of Earth that have become not only animate and able to sprawl along all over the planet on our own and not be planted into it. We've evolved to the point to where we are self-reflective aspects of it, self-consciousness has grown out of the earth, and we are those self-conscious extensions of her. What a gift. And how may we honor this living planet and be the great stewards that we have this great potential to be? How are we going to do this? We've got to figure it out together. God is growing up with us. At least our conception of this that we point to when we say the word God is growing up. Because now it's becoming oh, beautifully intertwined and mutually informing all of these various ancient wisdom schools of our past. All the world's great religions and spiritual systems and philosophies are all now intermarrying and informing, upgrading, picking up where each other leave off, taking different angles and different flavors of, of perspectives, of, all pointing to the same thing, though, and it's beautiful. It's, it's all in service of humanity's communion with this great mystery from which we spring that has given us this gift of life. And yeah, what else can I say? I could go on forever about this, but I don't know if I'm going anywhere. I hopefully I'm just pointing you guys and inspiring that sense of wonder as well to uh, go within to this sense of presence with that sense of like openness and curiosity. Okay, I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to let it be. I'm not going to follow the thoughts for a little while. I'm going to actually take a break from that. That's what meditation becomes, like a vacation. It can be like a break. It's always hard at first. And, you know, if you're a particularly, uh, you know, rebellious type, you know, you might find it hard to habituate yourself to sitting still and not picking up the phone, not doing anything um, for at least a moment, a day. You know, but it's important to entrain yourself to be able to come back to whether you're washing the dishes or driving the car or even in the middle of a conversation to remember to just be here in this moment and not to be so caught up in hoping things appear or turn out or become a certain way. Just to be with all of it as it is and to let things flow naturally without attachment, but total honoring of the moment, like full presence. So 
you're fully involved. You're not holding back. You're there, totally there, so that we do not miss the mark so much. You know, we let go to gain control. It's when we surrender that we are able to flow. I love coming up with these little ways of rhyming these things because they might start to stick. Stick with the few and then you guys spread it out and share it in your own ways with other people and, you know, make this shit addictive. Make it fun, make it attractive, uh, make it, you know, constructive and positively useful and attractive only because it's authentic and, you know, ingenuitively creative in some way. Okay, March 8th, 2021. Cardinal always knows when to show up. What if life is just waiting for us to dive in, head first, heart open? Any hardship or moment of love might be what breaks us open, to reawaken to the limitless potential of existence a bit more. And synchronicities themselves may be akin to a way of knowing, as we are in concert with the flow, with our dharma and highest purpose. And isn't this the truest wealth of all? So now we're on to March 9th. The only movement. It begins with us, here alive and still kicking. I fall to sleep with dreams of your awakening. You live for here, in the open air, a conduit of this great mystery, a prelude to what shall be, and I am in love with it all the more. Everything I was missing before in shifting of degrees and detail. All that I never knew was possible. Sober, resolute, hope the only action, love the only movement for this soul. So it was really clicking in there <laughs> in that moment. That's, that's cool to see. <sighs> oh yeah, and it's like a reminder too. That's where that deep sigh comes from. It's not a sad sigh, it's a, like a happy, contented sigh. You know that feeling? When everything's like okay and you're like, ah, you can just like let all the stress out and like let all the, the worry and all that fear that the body's holding in that you, you know, no one wants to admit that they have these residual fears within them, but we all do. You know, any sense of anxiety or discomfort or resistance towards something is, you know, it's always a pushing away. And uh, we don't like discomfort. That's for sure. So facing it with love. Sober, resolute, hope the only action. Seeing hope as an action, I think, is important as well. Love as an orientation, hope as an action. Hope isn't something that you just hold in, like, some kind of belief. You know, hope is something you enact. Hope is something you take part in. You can do with hope. And you can create that sense of hope out of hopeful action. So that's, that's hope. Love, the only movement for this soul. Love encompasses all potential. If you are trying to figure out how to do something, think in terms of how would I approach this if I could approach this unconditional, un unconditionally, you know, like what would Jesus do? What would Buddha do? Really embody the sense of unconditional love. Be all open, considerate, and consider deeply with great depth and care. That's what it means to be careful, to be full of care. All of these things that we attach fear to can actually be joyous. We can dance through the most difficult and challenging moments. So that 
that's awesome. You know, we have these capacities. All of these things that are built into the game are here and available. Take advantage. Come on. All right, we are on to March 13th, 2021. I need water again, guys. Like, I'm going to have to go to the other room for a second. Let's, uh, how many more poems do we got? What are we on? March 13th, 14th, 15th. Okay, I'm going to finish them. Commercial break. All right, let's finish this out. It's March 9th, 2021. These are the stories of the people who came before us, still living in our language, long since vanquished, and too near, too long forgotten are their old songs. They have truths still to tell, the lovers of the earth, as many and varied as the trees, and as we who come hereafter only to see a different way of being. We walk away from it sometimes, like the ones out of Omelas, and it's as simple a step as taking no steps at all. There's an allusion there to the story of the ones who walked from Omelas. Forget the exact title of that now. Ursula Le Guin was the author. Sci-fi author. It's a very short story. It's totally worth a read. It's an interesting metaphor with a question at the end. It's like, how do we deal with this kind of question? March 13th, 2021. Here's maybe something of an answer. It lives for no reason, or every reason, or both, and all at once. And never has it existed, yet it is eternal, as far as we can fathom. And we think nothing of it, most or all the time. It erupts like islands in the ocean from something deeper than time and space. It has no explanation, only creation. It knows no solidity, but in our embrace. Yet it is everything that has always been, on unto this unfolding, awaiting in perfect patience for our reception to its bestowing. So that poem is uh, referring to the Kabbalistic idea that we are all like vessels through which God's gift of life and experience and love is given, and we are like receptors in these vessels. And when he fills us, we can give it out into the world, and we can consciously do so as though we're giving it to God, it's God himself. Um, so we're bestowing back unto source. To, to the law of bestowal, which is what God is called there in mystical, Judaistic Kabbalah. I don't even know if Judaistic is a word. I think I might have just accidentally in, invented something. So yeah, we can be like vessels and we can complete the circuit, so to speak. And uh, we can be the, we can bestow back unto the law of bestowal itself. That's how we complete the circuit. So yeah. We're on to March 14th, 2021. Beckoning like a distant star to sun basking into the immediate. Eyes for incandescence do no justice with clumsy words and grasping lines. Stacks of sigils and neat shapes are no match for this equation 
it solves itself anyway by its circumference, self-circumventing like an Ouroboros, turning out and in and over, always, into the darkness grasping for explanations that cannot touch the undisturbed, heart bare to the hidden inner elements, finding all the time we waste and air that tastes of the only moment ever known. With the holy in you, resonating here, without a need to define itself, it shines on, loving, growing, guiding us through its infinitely sprawling macro and micro mysteries. In utter absolution, its unending love, only covered over its smile in the sky by our thoughts. March 15th. 2021. Hello, goodbye, hello, hi, they go. Dinos of the sky, talking in circles, turning in circles, landing just so. See how they go with the flow, as they shape themselves in harmony with the world. Graceful and tuned with high acuity to stems and branches, caterpillars, seeds, songs, and calm in their protection. Oh, songful and calm in their protection, carrying over homes of plant and tree. Farewell to those dinos of the sky that land with confidence in the face of blue-feathered egg breakers. These rare-feathered, hard-nosed as a dolphin readily charged to outmaneuver egg hatchers and blue raptors remind of those gray dogs who went back to the ocean to face the sharks, for they so loved that underwater world. <laughs> I don't know where that that came from either. That's a fun one. So it's like dinos of the sky are birds. And I, I was admiring and marveling over cardinals and their bravery that go after even bigger birds like uh, the blue jays that like to knock other birds' eggs out of their nests so they don't have to compete with their babies. Blue jays are assholes. And, uh, yeah, cardinals stand up to them. They're like the dolphins of the sky. And so uh, they remind of those gray dogs who went back to the ocean to face the shark, the dolphins, for they so loved that underwater world. Hello, goodbye, hello, hi, they go. Dinos of the sky talking in circles, tur turning in circles, landing just so. See how they go with the flow? as they shape themselves in harmony with the world, graceful and tuned with high acuity to stems and branches, caterpillars and seeds, songful and calm in their protection, caring over homes of plants and tree. Farewell to those dinos of the sky that land with confidence in the face of the blue-feathered egg-breakers, these rare red-feathered hard-nosed as a dolphin, readily charged to outmaneuver egg-hatches and blue raptors. Remind of those gray dogs who went back to the ocean to face the sharks, for they so loved that underwater world. The end. All right, guys, I'm going to bed now. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Actually Podcast. If you're still listening, I guess I'll tell you about uh, the subscriber option that I'm going to add to the podcast soon. You're going to be able to subscribe. I just haven't decided on the price, like 99 cents or 199. I think if that seems fair to all of you, anyone that wants to get rid of the commercials, 
I might actually start bringing in more commercials. It's something I've been wanting to do. It's another thing that I need to attend to. Bring in some more advertisers. Be able to make this more of a living. I'd love to be able to do this more and more full time. It already takes up a lot of hours and I love it. I enjoy it very much. And we've got the ongoing weekly live stream going now. And I want to continue doing the guided meditations and these uh, poetry, you know, poetry and conversations and you know, explorations into the deep questions of life and how may we realize our highest truths, our highest potential, change this world from the inside out and realize ever more the actual I, the truth of our nature, to grow and to cultivate this potential together. It's a great gift to be able to share this with you, to do this, <laughs> this whatever we call this, with all of you. This undoing process of becoming more available to the world by loving. It's an interesting rec reciprocal dance that we get into with existence itself. And what a wonder it is to be alive. So yeah, I'm thankful for all of you guys. And if you all think that would be of interest, um, you can comment on Spotify. I'll add a question to this episode. And uh, Wim Hof breathing sessions too. Maybe I'll start making that another weekly thing that I do, just like a short shared Wim Hof breathing session with everybody. Um, I certainly want to continue doing more guided meditations and maybe even make those regularly scheduled as well. The only uh, challenge for me is the time spent editing and trying to market the podcast on various social media. But you know, with growth, there comes more opportunity. And eventually, if I can start making uh, some money off the podcast that can pay for the hiring of someone to help me, then I would really love to do that and uh, let somebody else take care of most of the, you know, more of the marketing for me and uh, the cutting of clips and this and that because, you know, it's, you know, you're fighting against these algorithms and I do talk about controversial stuff on the podcast sometimes and I don't know how much that may be hurting me on some of the social media outlets or different uh platforms. Um, I'm not here to offend or upset anybody. I'm really trying to figure out how we can change this world for the better uh, with one another. And, and uh, I'm not partisan. I'm not interested in partisan conversations or debates. Um, I'm not interested so much in any one specific problem or challenge so, so much as what is the root uh, changes that we can make that will allow us to be more effective, you know, at whatever challenges we face um, collectively. And so I wish to encourage unity in this world. I wish to encourage a celebration of diversity and unity. And so, yeah, that's the uh, name of the game. That's what we're trying to do here. I hope that you all are encouraged and inspired by this content and that you go on and you share it with those that you love that you think might be interested as well and uh don't be shy you know we got to come out and take ownership of our role as stewards on this planet um and we got to mature into this capacity that we do have to work things out together and to reach conciliation and and 
to find middle grounds and uh, best of both world scenarios as best as we're able. It is possible. Humans have been doing this for thousands of years. That's how we got to this point. We built pyramids, spaceships, smartphones, and we have lift half, lifted half the world after, out of poverty. Uh, but we are not done. And we have mass corruption running through all of our prevailing systems of authority. And they've lost all credibility to the masses. And the masses are now trying to put the pieces back together spiritually, um, you know, philosophically and in our systems of self-governance as well, which is very difficult with parties and uh, powerful ideological possession of large numbers of people, uh, the media um, that just adds fuel to that fire and profits from it. And the, you know, just many nefarious actors at play taking advantage of divide and conquer methodology um, even if there is no grand plan by any one ruling system in the world, there's certainly some super power players that are encouraging uh, corporatism to challenge systems of self-governance like our own and corrupt them from the inside out and make them into what they want them to be rather than what is going to best defend and uphold the freedom of peoples around the world. So this is a time where America needs to come home and find itself and realize and start to get back into that game of realizing this dream evermore of living together in union uh, for the betterment of all people rather than just some noble elite, rather than just some bloodline or some ruling you know, monarchy or totalitarian dictatorship. Anyways, it's really just all us, and we can change this world from the inside out by popularizing higher ways of being, and we can rapidly, nowadays, especially with the internet, we can rapidly uh, spread them and employ them together, and we can develop actual techn tech, uh, technological systems, software, uh, apps, um, culture through media and art, uh, movies, music, and so on, that can rapidly change things. And we can create a wave of goodness <laughs> around this world that is a shield to the corruption and helps to further depopularize corruption and helps us to root it out and to come up with systems that transcend it and supersede it. Buckminster Fuller had a great quote where he said that we must come up with new systems that make the existing ones obsolete because you never, you know, you never overcome an existing system by just resisting it and then overthrowing it. If, you have nothing better, to, and even if you do think you have something better to put in its place, it's just going to be corrupted all over again. And then those that had the previous system running under their control will have figured out how to guard against even more measures that they wouldn't have considered before. What we need now is to create systems alongside the current that work even better and that are even more appealing to broader numbers of people and that literally just outmode the existing failing infrastructure that we no longer need. And, you know, we want to keep the wheat, but we do need to get rid of some chaff, and that is going to be a lot of corrupt politicians and uh, financing systems and you know, powerful entities that do lots of apparently scary stuff, uh, <laughs> judging from who we all know didn't kill himself. So, you know. But I love you guys, and I do hope you're doing well out there. And uh, yeah, 
there's another way to be. You don't have to be on one of these sides, you know. There's a lot of us out here that are looking for another way. And we are actually in the process of forging that way together. So join us. It's going to be fun. This is where all the most exciting stuff is really happening anyway. I love you guys once again. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you're watching the podcast. Throw it on a rating if you're on Spotify or iTunes. It really, really helps. All right, guys. Talk to you soon.